Chapter Twenty Seven of Narrative of My Captivity Among the Sioux Indians by Fanny Kelly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Move to Wyoming. False friends. The manuscript of my narrative taken by another party and published. I go to Washington. Mr. Kelly's sudden death, my own sickness, and the scourge of cholera all coming at one time proved disastrous to me in a pecuniary way. I was defrauded in every way, even to the robbing of my husband's body of the sum of five hundred dollars the day of his death. However, I finally disposed of the remnant of property left, and started for Wyoming, where lived the only persons beside myself who survived the attack on our train. They had prospered, and in a spirit of kindness, as I then thought, invited and prevailed upon me to share their home. It proved a most disastrous move for me. My leisure hours, since my release from captivity, had been devoted to preparing for publication, in book form, a narrative of my experience and adventures among the Indians, and it was completed. The manuscript was surreptitiously taken, and a garbled, imperfect account of my captivity issued as the experience of my false friend, who, by the aid of an Indian, escaped after a durance of only one day and night. I remained in Wyoming one year, then started for Washington, resolved to present a claim to the government for losses sustained at the hands of the Indians. I knew what difficulties beset my path, but duty to my child urged me on, and I was not without some hope of success. After learning of my captivity through Captain Fisk, President Lincoln had issued orders to the different military commanders that my freedom from the Indians must be purchased at any price, and my sad story was well known to the then existing authorities when I arrived in Washington. President Grant, learning through a friend from Colorado of my presence, sent for me and assured me of his warmest sympathy. He was cognizant of what had already transpired relative to me, and told me the papers were on file in the War Department in charge of General Sherman. In presenting my claim, many difficulties had to be encountered, but members of Congress, realizing that some compensation was due me, and understanding the delay that would result from a direct application to the Indian Bureau, introduced a bill appropriating to me five thousand dollars for valuable services rendered the government in saving captain fisk's train from destruction and by timely warning saving fort sully from pillage and its garrison from being massacred this was done without my having any knowledge of it until after the bill had passed both houses of congress and become a law during my stay in washington Red Cloud and a delegation of chiefs and head warriors from the different tribes of the Dakota or Sioux Nation arrived. They all recognized me as once having been with their people, and seemed quite rejoiced at the meeting. Some of the good Christian people of the city extended to the Indians, through me, an invitation to attend church one Sabbath, which I made known to Red Cloud, telling him of the great organ, the fine music they would hear, and of the desire the good people had to benefit their souls. Red Cloud replied with dignity that he did not have to go to the big house to talk to the great spirit. He could sit in his teepee or room, and the great spirit would listen. The great spirit was not where the big music was. No, he would not go. 
None of the Indians accepted the invitation, but some of the squaws went, escorted to the church in elegant carriages. But they soon left in disgust. The dazzling display of fine dresses, the beautiful church, and the big music, none of these had interest for them if unaccompanied by a feast. I attended several of the councils held with the Indians. At one of them, Red Cloud addressed Secretary Cox and Commissioner Parker in a lengthy speech on the subject of his grievances, in which he referred to me as follows. Pointing me out to the Secretary and Commissioner, he said, Look at that woman. She was captured by Silverhorn's party. I wish you to pay her what her captors owe her. I am a man true to what I say, and want to keep my promise. I speak for all my nation." The Indians robbed that lady there, and through your influence I want her to be paid out of the first money due us. Placing his finger first upon the breast of the secretary, and then of the commissioner, as if to add emphasis to what he was about to say, he added, Pay her out of our money. Do not give the money into any but her own hands. Then the right one will get it. In one of my interviews with the chiefs, Red Cloud, Spotted Tail, and others desired me to get up a paper setting forth my claims against their people, and they would sign it. I accordingly made out a bill of items and presented it to them, with my affidavit, and a statement setting forth the circumstances of capture and robbery, which was fully explained to them by their interpreter. This document the chiefs representing the different bands signed readily. It is inserted elsewhere, with other documents corroborative of the truth of this narrative. It is also signed by another delegation of chiefs I met in New York. With this last interview with the delegation of Indians I met in New York, ends, I trust forever, my experience with Indians. The preparation of the manuscript for this plain, simple narrative of facts in my experience has not been without its pangs. It has seemed, while writing it, as if with the narration of each incident, I was living over again the fearful life I led while a captive. And often I have laid aside the pen to get rid of the feelings which possessed me. But my task is completed, and with the ending of this chapter I hope to lay aside forever all regretful remembrances of my captivity, and, looking only at the silvery lining to be found in every cloud, Enjoy the happiness which every one may find in childlike trust in Him who ordereth all things well. End of chapter 27